This is the Ask a Death Doula podcast, a platform of free education on how to have the best end-of-life experience possible by knowing how to live your best life now. With experienced hospice, oncology, and wellness nurse, Suzanne B. O'Brien. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Ask a Death Doula. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. This is going to be a great show. I have with me Lee Webster, and I want to thank her so much for being here. Um, Let me just read a little bit of her bio, so sit back for a minute because it's a lot. So Lee Webster is a career writer, editor, and researcher, and frequent speaker and published author on funeral reform, including end-of-life support, home funerals, and natural burials. She is the director of the New Hampshire Funeral Resources Education Advocacy, former president of the National Home Funeral Alliance, and has served on NHPCO End-of-Life Doula Council. She currently serves as the founding member on the board of the National End-of-Life Doula Alliance and with the Conservation Burial Alliance and the Green Burial Alliance. Along with consulting for end-of-life, home funeral, and green burial causes, her writing has appeared in various mainstream magazines, newspapers, and in funeral trade outlets. She is also a frequent speaker to local and national academic health conservation organizations throughout the country, just to name a few things. So we are thrilled to have Lee with us today. And again, I thank you so much for being here. Most of you know me as end-of-life doula trainer. I'm a nurse by trade, um, and I have been at the forefront of the end-of-life doula movement. One of the big things that I see from doing this for the last 10 years is this whole movement for bringing it back to where we used to be, meaning taking care of our own at home, after they die, as they die, and then this option of keeping them at home and having a natural burial and having a home wake and what that all entails and means. So I asked for Lee to come on here today because there's a lot of confusion out there to how to actually get that done and how to get it done legally. And this is super important because yeah, it's, you know, it's a way that we're going back into taking care in a natural way, but things have changed. We're in a whole different time period. We have a lot of, you know, there's lots of rules and regulations and we need to know as the end of life doula movement is moving forward, what actually is the role of the end of life doula in helping a family that wants those options and how do they guide them to the correct people? So welcome Lee Webster. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to break it down for you today. And the first thing that Lee, I think we should start on, which I get a lot is, okay, what is the difference between a home wake and a home funeral or are they the same thing? Yeah. Well, first, thank you for inviting me. This is a great opportunity to, to, to clarify a lot of this stuff that uh, yeah. that's kind of hard to, to access. Um, our home, home funerals tend to um, encompass the, the period from the, the time the person has died until the, the uh, disposition, the final disposition, cremation or, or burial or whatever may come down the pike soon. Um, a a home, home wake or a home vigil really tends to, um, it can mean the same thing. Some people will, will conflate the two um, with, with no problem, um, but, <clears throat> but the vigil period tends to be 
the period where you're you're inviting people in or you're uh, as a family gathering together to um to to be present during the lying in or the lying in honor mm -hmm. we call it as well so it's that time uh, while we are um we are waiting from the time of death until the disposition there are things to be done such a beautiful time too such an important exactly. time you know and maybe we can touch on that a little bit for myself um seeing people who have taken this option it has been really almost night and day for the family between just the honoring the uh closure uh acceptance spiritually something happens within that period of time do you want to share anything that you know from your background what you know yeah. about that period of time and why it's so important to pause and and be there well and that's what it is it's the pause it's mm -hmm. it's the it's it's slowing down the pace there the, once the death has occurred there there is no further emergency there's mm -hmm. no urgency to to move uh anything or do anything mm -hmm. um, it, it that's the time that we're granted to have our our our, our moments of stillness and connection to one another yeah. so if we don't take that time it, it it's gone forever so uh, and the other piece i always like to throw in here this is important there are no funeral police nobody's going to come and get you um you know the neighbors may be concerned that you have a dead body in your, in your house <laughs> but um but the the law is on your side and um and it's very important to take that time the, the i here's this the 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 sort of a uh accumulation of stories that I've heard over the last, you know, dozen years or so about people who've taken this time. Um, most people who go into home funerals will, will say, well, I was a little skeptical. I was a little worried, you know, concerned about legal things, concerned about how to care for the body, um, you know, how to arrange things. Won't they be too stressed and won't they be, you know, all of these, there's so many concerns. Yeah. And there are people who, who may choose, um, uh, to stay out of the whole process of bathing and so on. Those are often the people, and I've heard this reported repeatedly, those are often the people at the end of a home funeral who are the yeah. ones who snuck downstairs in the middle of the night and spoke to their loved one for the last time in privacy. Yeah. In a way that they never could have if the body had been whisked away. And they're also the same person who's gonna be the number one standard bearer for home funerals for eternity after experiencing the the peace and care that's, yes. that's involved with this. That's amazing. And it's really, again, the fear of the unknown when we don't know. But right now, as you know, we're in such a death phobic society that all aspects of end of life are really dysfunctional, more or less. Um, so for me as the hospice nurse doing this for so long, caring for people at end of life, uh, I would go out and pronounce people. I was allowed to do that by law as the hospice nurse. I was allowed to go out and pronounce people. And some of the families I wouldn't even know, but some were mine. And what I found is that people are coming on hospice services very late. And that is also part of the data because we don't talk about end of life or plan for it. So when somebody's there, it's usually very, very sudden and quick. And it's this whole kind of like downward train just going so fast. The person dies. And then the same frenetic quickness happens where, what do we do now? Call the funeral home. The funeral home comes. It's not always looking so pretty, by the way, if people really know what that whole process looks like. And the body's gone. 
and nobody even took a moment to even know what's happening. And so I always would say to my families that I would, and I would sit with them, I'd say, don't rush this, don't rush this moment. Take your time. Does anyone else need to be here? And it was without any pre-planning for that, but I knew how important that pause was. Um, and, and, it did, and it did help, but this is so much more. And the second thing that I want to share is um, before I even knew about, again, the whole resurgence of the whole, the whole natural burial home week, which is wonderful, I pronounced a patient for hospice years ago, and I didn't know this family. And when I got to the home, the woman met me crying, and they were of Indian culture. And when, the minute that I stepped into that home, there was music playing, there was incense burning, um, and they said, could you help us prepare the body? And I said, Sure. And for a few hours, just the ritual, the, the bathing, the loving of this man, the energy was like nothing I have ever felt. And although they were crying in their sadness, there was such beauty in this time period that was so healthy. And I thought, wow. And that's really what the home wake and funeral allows people to do. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and you, um, you, you bring up a couple of really important points around this okay. uh, that, that are essential for end-of-life doulas to understand. Yes. And that is that you are invited to help yes. with the, the body care. Mm -hmm. Anyone can be invited to do okay. so. They can't be paid to do okay. so. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they certainly, if the family invites you in, the family is in charge of the body. Mm -hmm. They have full mm -hmm. custody and control. And so it, it's, it's very important that end-of-life doulas who may have been acting in, in, a, uh, in that role yeah. understand that the moment that that person dies, there is a whole regulatory world out there oh, yeah. that, is, um, that, it, that supports the funeral pr profession. So that if they were to continue to, to do what they've been doing all along, mm -hmm. if, they were, if they were providing light, um, you know, uh, body care of any kind, mm -hmm. um, then at that point, in some states, mm -hmm. it would become illegal for them to still be charging any money okay. in order to provide hands-on body care. In some states, you can't even help with planning, which is another thing you brought up is planning. Mm -hmm. We don't get a lot of time with, with, uh, with hospice patients. Um, you know, I think the, the longest I've, I've been in hospice for over 35 years and I, I have, uh, I have had one patient that actually maxed out on the six months, <laughs> one in all yeah. that time. No, they're not on for a long time at this point. And many times it's there, you know, I go in, I speak to the family and they're gone the next day. I, it can happen oh, yeah. that quickly. I know. So it's very hard to go in and do any funeral planning to understand what it is that either the patient or the family wants in terms of home funeral so that and, and that's where an end of life doula really comes in mm -hmm. is that if a doula gets in there sooner than a home funeral guide would right home funeral guides tend to get called after the fact right doulas get to come in and make it part of their planning mm -hmm. um, their whole plan of action and i, I want to mention i'm going to hold up some books as we go yes um, please National Home Funeral Alliance has this book. Um, it's the planning guide. Okay. There you go. Yep. Um, and this is tremendously helpful because it's the only planning guide out there that includes home funeral um, questions that you might ask uh, Beautiful. your patient. 
yeah but but i i agree with you it's it's a it's a critical time but making it happen is um is difficult particularly for families who may even though they've taken on the role of caregiver mm -hmm. during their loved ones mm -hmm. dying period they they may feel exhausted by that the problem oh, yeah. being in hospice now is that people who um, uh, hospice families who choose cremation and do have that body removed within the hour um look back about nine or ten months later with a sort of ptsd like all the time um, sleeping problem and they were wondering is that really my loved one in the face mm -hmm. and what are we going to do with all that and you know How it, awful yeah it's really really difficult because mm -hmm. they were trying to make a major life decision during a very stressful traumatic time rather than stopping and doing what funerals do which is mend the tear in the fabric of their community or their family Mm -hmm. that has occurred with the yes. death of their loved one. They may have yes. anticipated it, they may not have anticipated it. I mean, that's another whole, the people who are not on hospice go through sure. the same thing just uh, on steroids. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's on steroids with hospice right now, so I can't imagine the other way. So this is critically important, what we're talking about, because for me, the whole goal of changing the face of the whole end-of-life dysfunction right now is talking about it before we're there. So you just said you're trying to make a life decision when you're in a critical place. You can't do that. So yeah, I'm trying to take care of my loved one. I don't even know what's going on, and you're going to ask me about making decisions about a Like, I can't go there. But what's happening is like I do a lot of free seminars, outreach, get the conversation going with healthy people. And so what happens in New York is that, in fact, this man last uh, month was like, okay, that, you know, home wake, he goes, how do I make sure my loved ones will do that for me? I want that. Like, so we're going to talk <laughs> about two really important things here. So we want to break it down with you, Lee. So yeah. we want to talk about for the people listening that want the home funeral and home wake option and remember home funeral is not you're buried in your backyard which some people are like oh i can't do that that's it's home burial <laughs> right very, very important so this what we're talking about is because everyone wants nine out of ten people want to be cared for at home if you want the option to stay home and be memorialized in the and the viewing so how does an individual person ensure that their wishes for that where do they do that? How do they do that? And what is the legal aspect to that for their family? Right. It's all about education. It's, and, and it's about writing things down. So that's why that planning guide is important. Okay. Um, you don't have to complete the whole thing, but the, but the essential parts. And the key okay. is that you, com you have someone complete that at the same time that they're completing their advanced directives and that they keep all those materials in the same place. Correct. And that the conversation that people have around advanced directives with their family on multiple occasions if, if necessary, that they have with their doctor, that they have with anyone, their clergy, anyone who might have some kind of a, you know, an inkling about what you wanna have done. Yeah. Here's, here's what I've often said about this. That the, the, the conversation is the most important thing. Yes, it's about the details. It's about making sure that everything's set up legally and, and mm -hmm. we know who's taking care of what. But more important than that is thinking about what your, your, your child, you know, your child or your, or your wife or whoever is left uh, might say when someone says, well, wh what did she want? And they, right. it, you know, there are two answers. The one is, uh, gosh, I don't know. I, we didn't really talk about important things. Um, I guess we weren't as close as I thought. Or the best answer is, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I know exactly what she wanted. We yeah. talked about these things. We talked about important things. We loved each other. 
Mm, I love that's, that. That's, that's the gift. So get it down, get it in writing and yeah. know this for sure. The kid who's going, I know, I know is, is, is going to be in trouble with the kids who didn't know. So make sure they're all part of the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's and so the funny. legal aspect around this is that mm -hmm. uh, advanced directives, as we all know, are really uh, a guide. Right. And so our funeral planning advanced directives, uh, whoever's left gets to really choose whoever's in charge, which is next of kin. Okay? Right. And by extension, the family. Um, but but it, I think if you've been open and had that conversation, then they know what you want. The second piece then is knowing how to do it. So right. it's the onus is on us to not just say, go do this thing that I think is cool. Um, it's to Absolutely. provide people and, and, and end of life doulas again, have a huge role in this, provide the families with the information that they need. Mm -hmm. And it's all out there. The National Home Funeral Alliance website has everything you want to know in any way you want to know it. Um, this book, which is another one, there's another book. Okay. Undertaking with love. Okay. And this is Holly Stevens and Donna Belk wrote this okay. years ago, and we've recently updated it. And uh, it gives you just, just detail for detail exactly how to do things. And there's also uh, on the, um, you know, the, the National Home Funeral Alliance has been around now for about 12 years or mm -hmm. 10 years or however long <laughs> we've been going. A while. Um, a long mm -hmm. time now. Mm -hmm. and, and home funeral guides have been honing this for a very long time and getting down to the, the bottom of the, 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 uh, legal aspects of this. So uh, it's going to the NHFA website and finding those um, doulas on the directories can really help you find someone. I would suggest that doulas around the country find a home funeral guide near them. Absolutely. And partner up Absolutely. To get up to speed and to understand what's going on. So it's, um, that's, this, it, there's, a, there's more to the law than I can even begin. It's different in every state. Um, and, and, but the, but the, but the understanding the main rules around it are, are right. just the, the key. Okay, great. So let's yeah. highlight a few things, the conversation, because yeah. I talk about this all the time, that the conversation is the most important thing piece in all of this, because yeah. what happens with when people are fearful and they remember things differently. So, and maybe one didn't have the same conversation as mom. And it's just interesting how that gets skewed so that when we have that conversation, it also allows our initial fear, if we have any, to be voiced. And so that before we're in a crisis place so that we can answer all those questions. So the conversation around end of life and your wishes is so important. And then to have it in writing for sure. Um, so hopefully those kids are not fighting among themselves or probably a little bit, maybe we can minimize it, it's fine. Um, the legal aspect, so very important. So um, am I correct that in certain states, like people feel like when that body dies that they need to get that body out of there. And that's right. true. Right. Even if they don't choose for a home wake, they're allowed to pause. Right. Yeah. Let me go in a little deeper yeah. into the legal aspect of this. Um, okay. in, in no state in the country it, uh, does someone have to call a funeral director immediately. In nine states, uh, a funeral director must be involved in some aspect of the funeral. Okay. So that means that, or, uh, that perhaps the state requires that a funeral director uh, file the paperwork okay. rather than you being able to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, or they might be required to transport the body. Right. So you can't just throw them in the back of your Prius, although I can in New Hampshire. <laughs> I love it. And we've done it. Okay. 
Um, right. <laughs> so, so you want to, what you want to yeah. do is check uh, which states do what, so you yeah. know what's happening in your own state. And there are a couple different resources for that. Here's another one, <laughs> and this okay. is uh, this is uh, restoring families' right to choose. And uh, this was written with the Funeral Consumers Alliance as well. So there's a lot of good data there. Oh, great. And it breaks down by state exactly what has to happen. And they also have another book called Final Rights, which goes state by state and describes exactly what happens with um, the family's right to maintain um, custody and control, and then what happens in, through into the disposition piece. Okay. There are lots of really great resources. You'll find those on, on the NHFA website as well. Um, the, the essential thing for doulas to know is, yeah. that, is that the family has, un, uncontrovertibly, has the right to decide what happens to that body yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And if you have a hospice involved and you might have a hospice nurse who doesn't understand this, who's pushing and says, oh, no, no, I'm not. I've had this happen. I've had I've had uh, hospice nurses refusing to leave the family's home until the funeral director arrives. And the family has said, no, we're taking we are acting as our own funeral director. We're taking care of this ourselves. Thank you for your help. And yet they wouldn't leave and ended up having oh. to have state police come. This has happened several times. So it's key as well for hospice personnel to understand where their role begins and ends. What we're, what we, it's not just the fear that you're going to have a dead body in the, in the house or that you're, you know, you're tired and you think this, or you think that legally a funeral director has some, um, you know, medical or legal authority here. They don't at all. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's akin to hiring a plumber to fix oh, your toilet, okay. which you can do yourself. You can go get the parts at Home Depot. You can put it together yourself. You, you don't have to have a license to do that. You don't have to have a license to care for our own dead. This is a, a fundamental American right to care for our own dead. Yeah. So if we choose to hire a professional to come in, they are under, under uh, legislative rules that we are not okay the only thing funeral directors can do that we can't is embalm a body so so we need to just relax and know that whatever we do with the body that the family does with the body is okay and perfectly legal and that doulas can assist with that by reassuring them yeah. that they are doing it and and by providing all of these you know um uh, resources yeah. but the, the 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 key point I, I, that I was talking about before um, that I really want to ram home is that anyone who comes in outside of the family mm -hmm. and does any kind of um, either uh, funeral planning after mm -hmm. the death occurs you could mm -hmm. do it before okay if you do it afterwards and charge for it or if you do hands-on body care and, and that's in some states body care is just across the board that is in the under the purview of funeral directors, and you cannot charge for it. But you can charge for all kinds of other things. You know, you're you're there consulting with the family. You can help them uh, find appropriate uh, uh, containers. You know, caskets mm -hmm. and shrouds, and help them find technice or whatever kind of cooling mm -hmm. agent you want to use. You can walk them through um, all of these things. I mean, essentially, from that. From that time that the, you know you're dealing as a doula with the with the people who are dying, the ones they've died, you become a home funeral guide. But you do that without charging, where you might have charged prior to. So that that's the key 
essential you know, understanding that doulas have to so have. So let's say the doula, the end of life doula, the clock stops when that person dies for any charging, for anything that you do at that point with the body, hands-on care or planning, right. anything to do with that. The funeral guide, is it different for the funeral guide or do they work under that same? Oh, work? absolutely. They, they absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everyone. So every, it, everyone has to. Right. Where can the professional find that information for doulas? Where can they find what their exact parameters are around working with families? Or yes. Okay. Well, there, you've gotten to book number four. Is there another <laughs> book? Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. This is called Essentials. Sorry. All I've got left is my sample here. But this is um, Essentials for Practicing Home Funeral Guides. And this, okay. this, this is probably the most important okay. piece for doulas. Okay. Because what it does, I, mean, I worked with the, the, the Federal Trade Commission. Yeah. The federal government is involved. They, they created something called the funeral rule. And this is what uh, the, the, the government, the federal government uses to legislate any action um, that occurs after death, that manages okay. what happens okay. during funerals. So I worked with them and also worked with a whole lot of other people in a whole lot of other legal places and was able to put together multiple lists of uh, what activities are, uh, you can charge for, what activities you can't charge oh, for. Beautiful. How, yeah, it's all laid out. It's just, it's exactly what, what uh, all doulas really need to know because yeah. they're, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, it changes the world. It, in the pre-death period, there's yeah, so much that doulas can do, but yeah. when you move into an area that's highly regulated, even at the federal level, not just the state, well, the state has state mortuary boards. So, you know, at the state level and the federal level, we've got to keep this clean. And the Absolutely. reason why, this is the, I don't want to squeeze this in here. The reason why is not just that you could end up in trouble, but that it, 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 it has the potential for challenging you know drawing a challenge from the funeral industry sure. or these governments in order which could result in shutting down the rights of families to care for their own debt it is critical that this is critical responsible so we have to really sit with this for a minute because i feel like in the home environment the caring for somebody on their way they're dying they they died it doesn't look so different to the inside the home. It's very right. different in the legal ramifications and aspects. And that's where we want to be crystal clear here. And so what I feel that we're going to ask all the doulas to actually get this book so that they have that listing um, mm -hmm. and know where that line is because yeah. they don't you know, right now. Everyone doesn't know right now. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. And, and that's why, um, you know, we've been doing home funeral guide trainings around the country for, you know, 20, more than 20 years. Yeah. So it, it might behoove um, end of life doulas to sort of glom on to some of those trainings. Sure. Um, you know, and some of them are a day long or they might be, you know, two weeks long or it depends on what they want to get out of it. But if they want the basics, um, start with the book and then, and then, you know, reach yeah. out a little further, but to come back to that common denominator here, and, and this is a critical piece too. If dualists were doing their job properly, mm -hmm. which I believe they are, <laughs> mm -hmm. the family was still in charge throughout mm -hmm. the entire pre-death period. 
they continue to oh, be absolutely 100% in charge. Yeah. The moment that that doulas or guides or anybody else who's involved in this, who's come in as a, a consultant or assistant in some way, the minute they step over and start taking charge in any way, yeah, they got to go. It's not about, as we know, I mean, and, and Suzanne, you're fabulous at, at, at home, you know, hammering this home to people. It's not about us as being rescuers. We're not there to rescue anybody. Right. We're there to just leave our own egos and our own, and, you know, and hopefully we've got knowledge, a knowledge base right. that's strong enough so that in that moment when it's needed, we're able to pull out what the family yeah. needs and then back away again. Right. That's the role of both doulas yes. and home funeral guides. So even though it looks this, it, it should look the same, right? Yes. The moment yes. of death shouldn't change anything. Same people in charge, same people yeah. preparing. It's just a question of who knows what to do. Exactly. I think that's so beautifully said. Thank you. Um, but I think it's super important that people know no hands on that body after death for a doula. I mean, you really have to know where your line is. No charging unless you're invited in. So, but I love that. And let's just reinforce that, that the role that we play coming in is to support and to guide. It is not to fix this. It's not to take over. I mean, that's, I feel like that's in my very first line of my first class is that one of our rules is that you're not here to take over. You meet the family where they are and you move from that point forward and you, yes, you pull out what knowledge you have at that moment to give them what they need, them what they need to care right. for their own. It's so right. beautiful and so important. So thank well, you. And another piece to that is also, I mean, I use the word front load a lot around this. The, again, if you've done your job as a doula mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you've had the time and you've had the interest from the family to go further than just um, than, than life review and, and, you know, a big yeah. piece of that then is planning that you can do prior to the death. Absolutely. It can be rolled into your services. Yes. And if that planning is done well and the educating of that family is done really well, they won't need you after to, to, to you, you know, there won't be any conflict because you've already explained to them how to I, do it. I love that. And, so, and time was the, load, the education. Absolutely. And that's right. really the goal. Because we really want to empower the family to, right. to do this themselves. And I feel like almost it's the same way that I talk about the doula. If we've had enough time and we do what we do well and educate them, they're not calling you in panic. They're not, they're, they're, they've right. got this. And that's really, again, the goal. Um, that's, that's really wonderful and, and amazing. Okay, so the two different things that we can do and the doulas have their role. And like you said, it's very important for them to know that this is so critically important that they know what their role is within this because mm -hmm. not just for their own protection legally, because there are legal laws in place, mm -hmm. but because of the movement, that this is so right. important that this option um, be nourished and state because people want this. Like it's so environmentally friendly, it is financially in a, in a great place, and it's just emotionally for people that I've seen take this, their post-death bereavement and grieving seems so much different than those who don't yeah. pause, than just that don't pause. Um, yeah. 
Do you want to, yeah. do you want to highlight embalming for a minute? Because I think there's well, a lot of confusion around that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I th I'd love to talk about that because I was just thinking the missing, missing conversation here right now is about funeral directors. Um, and uh, as I said, funeral directors embalm, um, mm -hmm. you know, as yes. if, if the family chooses it, yes. um, they often have policies in their own business it's a business remember it's not it's not a charity um, which is why you pay a lot of money for the service but their their policy is if there uh, is to embalm require embalming if there's going to be a public viewing the thing about having a home funeral is that embalming is is not necessary it's a private venue so um, you know and it's and it's not necessary anyway it's a, it's a cosmetic procedure that makes white people's cheeks pink and everybody else maybe preserves the body you know for a little bit of extra time but honestly the the, the best preservative there is is cool just cool the yeah. body cool the room and and everything slows down it's not a big deal even for for people who've been on hospice for a long time um, and their bodies have already started they tend to have not eaten in a, quite a long time you know everything's kind of shrinking and hollowing and drying sure. out um, and and that's that's fine, you know, and that can continue. There's no danger. It, it, dead bodies aren't dangerous. They're not infectious. You know, all of that was big myths from the 1930s. But I do want to say that in those states where it is required that you hire a funeral director for some aspect of things, you don't have to call them immediately. Right. You might want to call and give them a heads up. Everyone I've ever talked to has said, yeah, just don't call me. I'm really busy. Call me when you need me. Yeah, me too, by the way. Right. And, and yeah. that might be in uh, an hour. It might be in three days. I mean, it, it, you don't have to do it. it. You can, you know, see how it goes. Depends on your state. You know, if, if you have to file the paperwork within 24 hours, you're going to want to call and you can't do it yourself because, you know, for various reasons, not just because that your state might legally mandate it, but yeah, um, you know, maybe on a weekend, it might be difficult to find someone in an office to to process the paperwork, the death certificate, and, and get you your permits and stuff. But in that case, funeral directors are there to, you know, they have a fast line to being able to take care of this. If you're sure. if you're in need, and you want to continue to keep the body home, but you need to get the paperwork started. Yep, they'll help Utilize you. Them. Yeah. You know, they're, it, this isn't an either or proposition. This, you right. know, blended funerals are really more common than home funerals. It's it, most people, um, it, for various reasons, you know, they think they still need, um, uh, you know, they don't have the confidence to do it themselves, or it's just kind of difficult in whatever situation they're in. Funeral directors will be more than happy to help get a piece of the pie, if not the whole pie, well, <laughs> or simply, you can still do the whole funeral directing piece. You can still go to a funeral home. You can still use their facility. You can still ask them to help you with cremations and burials and arrangements. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's from out of town and they have to be shipped back in, you want to include a funeral director in that. But it doesn't change the fact that you, as a family, as next of kin, always have the right to bring your loved one home or yes. keep them home. Yes. Whether you hire a professional to help you with pieces and parts or not. Again, I can go to Home Depot and buy the toilet and the I pipes, but I may not want to install it myself. <laughs> right. I love that. I can and do both. <laughs> and as you know, this movement continues because of the feedback that I've gotten, 
it would be lovely to see the funeral industry do these blended funerals and all offer that because from, I mean, most families that I have proposed this option and shared, they've, they've loved it. So if that's the future, which I really believe it will be, mm -hmm. then obviously funeral homes want to be part of that where they, where they can and fit in. And the other thing I think is very important is to remember that there's so much money sometimes that's spent after the fact. And that's okay if that's what you want. But many families have told me, I look back and the amount of money we spent because we didn't, we were in shock. We didn't know what we were doing. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. wish they hadn't. But also I said, if you took a little bit, just a little bit of that pie for that money that you spent after the fact and maybe used it while that person was in their last section of life with bringing in some supportive help, um, the quality of life would be different for everybody. I mean, how beautiful. And the person gets to benefit. Right. So something to think about. Yeah, we aren't thinking long range about one of the most expensive purchases of anyone's lifetime. Um, and, and part of it is that, that we, you know, we're just used to not, not going there in our heads. And because right. we just is. assume, most people just assume that um, the, the whole process of hiring a funeral director and going through the standard, you know, conventional uh, funeral business is, uh, is like a legally required. And of course right. it's not. Yeah, and, and what's happening is that more and more people are becoming savvy to that. And on the inside of the industry, uh, funeral professionals are recognizing that they're, um, you know, the status quo is just not going to last forever. And they are reaching out. And they're reaching yeah. out to uh, home funeral guides and doulas and yeah. others oh, who nice. are, because yeah. they want to get them, they're, they're trying to find a way to stay relevant. Sure. And, bringing on people who, who have that access. I had a funeral director say to me one time, well, but I can do that. You know, we can bring them, we can even bring their furniture to our, our room, our slumber room and, and set everything up here. And I, I said, no, you, no. It's not the same thing. It's not exactly the same thing. What about, what about the little cat in the corner? You know what I mean? It's just not. Well, and not the same thing with a, with, with a funeral director with the, no you know, as it is to have someone like us who are essentially, um, yeah. you know, someone that they could have found at church or they could have found, you know, in their book club who happens to know a lot, yeah, um, you know, and, and who, who has trained, but is not that. So, yeah. It's I love it. Lee, the, the bond and connection <laughs> of this work is something on a whole different level. You know, there's something so incredibly special about working in this space, sacred with these families, and it reflects the energy that's there. So you are correct in that. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. I still like the cat in the corner though, um, or on the bed. I do love that because our families love our pets. So let's break this down for people in two ways as we wrap up. I am an end of life doula. I live in New York state. I have a family who wants to, is interested in doing a home wake. Mm -hmm. what, what are my next moves? I go to the, the web. So go ahead and give it to me. I want to just break it down for doulas. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in it, absolutely. First stop is the National Home Funeral Alliance. Um, and you'll find just mm -hmm. about everything you could possibly want there, uh, including uh, all of the, uh, you know, lists and lists of articles and books and, you know, other you know, videos and podcasts and so everything. So, you, you know, the, the learning just continues. You could spend weeks uh, learning more. Um, 
again, go back, go find a find a home funeral guide in your area and start. And we can do that on the website, right? National you can home do that funeral right guide. on the website. Yeah, love it. Um, and, and trainers as well. You want a training? You just want to flat out just get it all in one. Go to yeah. the trainers page. So that's the first thing. Okay. So get educated about what goes on with this. Um, fa- families, I don't expect to have to do quite so much. They're kind of like, uh, you know, what do I have to do and when do I have to do it? So. So we've got material for them too, to, yeah. to be able to walk right through things. Um, but the, the next question always is, you know, there are two questions around, or actually three around funerals. The first is, what do we do with the body from the time of death till the disposition? That's the funeral. What are we going to do about that? Um, you know, event planning and whatever, however you view that. And then the, the second one is, how are we going to dispose of the body? And in the U.S. right now, it's a cremation, which is not the greenest option there is in the world at all. Right. right. Um, it's it's quite nasty. Um, or we have conventional burial, which just puts again it's tremendous environmental um, problems. Around. You can find all of that data out there all over the place. Mm-hmm. So green burial is the the next thing that's happening, and uh, and parallel to that, right? Th- just this week here at the end of January. Um, we are uh, uh, looking at getting uh, the recomposed project up and going and through the Washington State Legislature. So there will be a uh, an urban human composting, very much like putting body in the ground and hoping for natural decomposition, but there would be an urban um, response to that. So we're looking at so many different ways of of making disposition easier and more environmentally uh, friendly and affordable. So that would be the next thing that you wanna be thinking about. So there's the, there's the funeral piece, there's the disposition piece and figuring out what works best and how to get around that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third piece is um, memorialization. How are we gonna remember someone? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that. That's kind of overlooked by people. You know, they'll think, sure. "Oh, well, I'll put up a great big granite stone." Well, there are a lot of other ways that we can remember our loved ones, and it yeah. goes again more creative thinking. Another place where doulas can be really helpful during the planning phase. You know, what what would you like us to? How do you want us to remember you? And and what would you like us to put in place to make that happen? Yeah, and I think people forget that how I would describe myself is going to probably be very different than somebody else describing me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just comes out differently. And I might want to say, oh, I rescued, you know, eight dogs in my life. And that was like one of the things that I'm really <laughs> proud of. And it gave me love. And they might, you know, say, well, she was, yeah, whatever. Um, I think that's really, that's great information. Let's talk about the, let's just hone into the disposition for a minute. Disposition means where that body will be after the fact. Um, can you explain the difference between a green burial and a natural burial, if there is any difference? Yeah, green burial is kind of a throwaway term. It's mm-hmm. it's sort of it just means burial without um, impediment. Okay. 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 So there are different levels of that. Right. Uh, for instance, in a in a um, some cemeteries, either uh, existing cemeteries that are that allow for vaultless burial, they may still allow embalming. Now that's that's you know over six million tons of embalming fluid formaldehyde a year in this country uh, going into the ground. So does that sound like it's green? Not really, except that if we're burying without the vault and we're burying in a biodegradable casket instead of steel and so forth, we're at least 
moving in the right direction. <laughs> so <bother? it's, laughs> we still consider it green. Also, all that stuff dissipates in a really quick time. So it's like a lime green. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of you know it's okay. It's not ideal, but but we'll take it. Right. And you got a natural burial, and natural burial is gonna gonna say yeah, get get, get rid of the embalming. You know, we're gonna go with the with the most um, you know the most environmentally friendly way we possibly can. So we're gonna really really be conscious about what we're putting in the ground. And then there's a third uh, level, where, really, which is conservation burial, where we're matching up conservation uh, or burial sites with conservation land trusts so that there is that added boost of, um, of, of preserving and conserving land in, at the same time as burying bodies in the most environmentally friendly way. So, so green is green. It's all of them, but it's, it's going to be kind of different from conservation or natural burial. Does that make sense? It does. And that was the confusion because when I've looked up green, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of kind of, you know, different restrictions and things like that. And I'm like, I'll just go for the natural because then I, you know, like we know we're good. Let me ask you this. How does somebody find where they can be buried in a natural setting or a green setting within their area? Yeah. um, First thing to do is take a look at uh, the uh, list of green burial cemeteries in the U.S. and Canada that I keep on my website because I'm, I'm updating it almost daily. Okay. Um, and that's nhfuneral.org. Okay. So that's, that's going to the New Hampshire Funeral Resources um, Group. And, and I keep that. You can also look at the Green Burial Council that, and to, to see which of those cemeteries they ha- have, have chosen to be certified. Now, the issue is that some, pe- some people don't feel the need to be certified, and there's no reason that they should, but some do because they want to be sure that people know that they adhere to specific, very high standards for their, for their cemetery. If you're a person who's out there looking, geez, you know, first of all, where's, where can I be buried as um, you know, environmentally friendly as I can be, as close to where I have lived, so mm-hmm. that everyone around me, you know, associates me with this sense of place. That's what people are really interested in. They don't want to drive three thousand miles to get to a green cemetery. They want something in their backyard. So the next thing I would say is, if you can't find anything on the list that's close enough to you, mm-hmm. then start calling the cemeteries in your area and just keep you know, expanding your radius till you find somebody who will agree. Yeah. Um, because often cemeteries will, will allow vaultless burial, right. but they aren't, they, they just aren't advertising it out right. there. So you got to do some real gumshoe work. And, and, and again, I think that goes back to the home funeral lines, finding a home funeral guide in your area and networking. Cause then you have all that information. We don't really need, want to go through everything while we're needing it. It's great to know it beforehand, but these guides are fantastic. Okay. How would you like to just sum up the work that you've done? Um, just any, any words of wisdom as far as this movement? You are so passionate about it and have done such amazing education for people, and we're just beginning. So what would you just like to say about the whole movement for, for having home wakes and green burials and maybe what you've seen, the benefits? Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, it's not really sure what to what to say from here, except that you know every day I wake up thinking, okay, I've done my part, and other people are coming to pick up and go, and that's fantastic. The more more people I see coming into this, 
Um, I mean, that it, it, that's the reward, is that people are seeing what the benefits of all of this work has been, not just for myself, but, you know, a host of other people that I've been working with right from the beginning. I mean, yeah. just incredible. Um, you know, Char Barrett, Donna Bell, Elizabeth Knox, um, you know, Jerry Grace Lyons. And I mean, I, I can't even tell you, the list goes on and on. And now we have a whole new fresh group that's coming up and we have end of life doulas who are starting to find their voice. And, you know, because the home funeral people were very clear that we were staying right in our lane. <laughs> so, yes. so now, you know, and, and the green burial folks too, mm-hmm. staying right in their lane. Yeah. And now we're starting to see this continuum of care all the way from healthy people through the dying piece and then on. And this is for me that the culmination of, of all of this work is seeing that people are starting to recognize that it all has value. It all has equal value. It all needs the same amount of attention. We need to be clear-eyed and, 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 um, and, and dedicated to the work that we're doing so that families can experience that seamlessly without any of us intruding or being in the way. And I guess that's, I guess that's it for me, you know, but I, as I was starting to say, every, every day I wake up and I, I think, okay, well, I'm just going to pass the baton and get the heck out of here and just go enjoy my, my grandchildren some more. Yeah. And, and then I wake up with some great idea to, <laughs> like, oh, we need something for that. <laughs> so. Well, I have to tell you, Lee, that you have just been amazing the work that you do. And I want to thank you. You are a gift that thank will you. have a ripple effect for a long time to come. So thank you. And thank you so much for being on this episode of Ask Absolutely. All right, we'll post all the links below. Thank you again. Have a great Great. day. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ask a Death Doula. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a raving review. Subscribe, share, and send your questions. See you in the next episode.